Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mind Body Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Michaels, and thank you so much for joining me again today. Today on the show, I have a wonderful conversation to share with you that I had with Jenny Holbert. Jenny is a coach. She's a wellness coach. She's a fitness coach. She's a mindset coach, and she's the founder of Wild Wellness. She's also a doTERRA diamond wellness advocate, and she spends her days inspiring others to bring more nature and adventure back into their lives and their workouts um, so they can kind of reconnect back to themselves and live out their dreams. So I'm excited to share that with you today. But before we get into the interview, I just want to thank everyone who's sent in a review over the last few weeks, months. I'm so happy that you guys are liking it. I'm so grateful to get your feedback. Um, and so today I'm just going to read you one of them. And this review comes from AFG27. And they say, I'm at the very beginning of my TMS journey. And while I'm a believer, my brain hasn't quite caught up yet. And I'm pretty mad about it, which isn't helping. But I listen to this podcast every day, and there are always one or two sentences for me that really resonate. Sometimes I rewind to hear it again. I'm trying to lean into my pains and also be patient with my recovery, and Caitlin helps soothe and reassure me. Plus, she's well-researched and empathetic and explains a lot of the Sarno stuff we've already read very simply. If you're at the beginning, middle, or end of your TMS journey, give these episodes a listen. Worth it. Thank you so much. I think this review encapsulates most of my listeners' experiences where I know this stuff, I believe, come on, pain, go away. (laughs) Um, And that's just so common. But like I tell my coaching clients, it's the body that's on this journey, not your brain, right? Your brain is already awake and aware. It knows everything. It's up to date. It got the memo, but the body is just a little slower to catch up. So just be patient with it. Just kind of like hold your arm out and say like, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to come, come to me. Um, and, and just try to love your body as best you can during this process, even when it's um, not so lovable. I think just kind of getting on your body's team is really important. And we often want to disembody our bodies during this process because, well, pain hurts. And so just just re-welcoming the body into your love circle, I think is a really powerful way to ease the transition from your body being in a lower level of consciousness to your body entering your brain's level of consciousness. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get into this interview today. So everybody enjoy a little convo I had with Jenny Holbert of the Wild Wellness Podcast. Here she is. So I'm here today with Jenny Holbert. Jenny is a wellness coach, a fitness expert, a doTERRA essential oil enthusiast, and a student of nature who helps women realize and live out their dreams. 
Jenny also is the host of her own podcast, The Wild Wellness Podcast. Jenny, I'm really thrilled to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Caitlin. I'm super grateful to be here and share with you and your listeners. Yay. So I would just love to start by hearing your story. Like what what brought you to your work in the world? How did you come to be a wellness coach? Okay. Yeah, I think this will resonate with someone. I'm, I'm sure in some way, different pieces of it seems to be that's why we like to hear people's stories because we can find ourselves in them in mm-hmm. some ways. And I really find that I connect with those nature-loving adventures in personal growth and making changes in their health and life. And as I look back over the last oh, 10 years, especially even you know de- a couple of decades, it really has been that sort of journey for me. And my wild wellness philosophy, which is really a healthy lifestyle that's inspired by nature and doing that so that we can live our dreams, Um, really came from my initial struggles, I think. So Mm -hmm. I ended up um, getting my fitness background in my degrees in exercise science and sports psychology. And my work with doTERRA sort of came from that too. But going a little bit further back, I guess, my personal journey has really led me to the work that I do because I started my life growing up on a farm. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties in because I feel like I gained a real appreciation and interest in nature through that upbringing. So I really do think that influenced me in a lot of ways. At the same time, I was raised with a mother who was a nurse. And so that sort of modern medicine influence was what I knew and what I grew up learning because that's what she had been taught and that's what she knew. And also just a mainstream approach with food. So even though I grew up on a farm and ate a lot of fresh food straight out of the garden, we also had packaged foods in the house and, you know, sort of the things that were more in at the time and more mainstream. So I, it wasn't until college when I started to explore a little bit more about food and about, you know, where it's, it, how it's processed and what ingredient labels mean and all of that, that I started to question things a little bit. And I'm really glad that I was introduced to a different idea around foods because starting in my teenage years, I had started to struggle with my relationship with food and with my body. And even though I grew up in a really positive upbringing, any trauma that a lot of people might have and kind of lead them to that path, just because of my social influences, I think, and seeing the culture around me, um, I was influenced in a way that made me really hard on myself and really hard on my body. So I ended up struggling with an eating disorder for almost a decade into college. And it wasn't until I started learning differently about food and kind of went back to that nature-fed philosophy that it really helped me to recover from the eating disorder because I realized that this doesn't have to be confusing. Like it's just go back to what nature has here for us to eat. And you don't have to be confused about whether it's low fat or how many calories it has, or, you know, what kind of um, fat grams are in there, anything particularly on the label. It was more just about that nature inspired approach. And then also being mindful of, sort of why and how I was eating, not just the what, but why and how that was an important piece of it too. And I think those all together, um, you know, sort of helped me to take a different path when it came to food and, and my body image. So after my degrees, I started working as a personal trainer and creating 
fitness programs for individuals and groups. And that's really around the time that I began incorporating essential oils as well and teaching people about their benefits because I love that they promote us to really be self-directive in our health Mm -hmm. and to be empowered to choose things that we can do for ourselves. It's a huge part of self-care in a much bigger sense than just bubble baths and getting massages. Mm -hmm. And it's something we can do every day for ourselves. Um, But they came into my life at a really interesting time because my next sort of major piece that I would say transitioned my my own journey was having adrenal gland issues. And the essential oils kind of came into my life right around that time when I was starting to have noticed a lot of symptoms like fatigue and pain and having trouble sleeping and having a lot of different mood um, ups and downs that I wasn't typically having. And I got tests through more, more mainstream modern medicine. And that reminded me that symptom chasing is really frustrating Mm -hmm. and not true health because that's what started to happen. But thankfully I believed in a holistic approach and I knew there was a better way. So I eventually came upon working with a functional medicine practitioner who helped to look at the whole picture. And once I realized what was going on, I realized I needed to practice and learn even more about what that lifestyle of health needed to look like for me. And that's really, I think, why I'm so passionate about helping people learn about not just natural health, but also mindful practices among health. And for me, it often links to movement, whether it's running or a workout or the ways that we move our body. But that all ties in with not just, you know, think of thinking of mindfulness as a meditation, but more so being mindful of the things that you need to do to take care of yourself and doing that sort of with a non-judgmental awareness of how you're feeling and then what you need to. Right. So what do you feel like was kind of at the root of your adrenal fatigue developing? Like what do you think was one of the biggest contributors to that? It's an interesting question. I I think it always is a variety of things Mm -hmm. and I think for me, if I looked back and how I've tried to uncover it myself is my sister had been diagnosed with cancer a few years, well, not even a few years. It was just even in the last couple of years prior. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there was a lot of mental and emotional stress around that and living close by at the time. Um, And then going back even a little further, there was a lot of changes that happened all at once. So my husband and I got married. We moved to from the United States to Canada to go to grad school, Um, you know, moved 2000 plus miles away from our family, started grad school. And then we moved around a lot uh, within grad school in our first few years afterwards um, because of a variety of reasons, just with school and and following our work and our passions and what we were doing. So in a lot of ways, I was, it was very exciting and wonderful, but I realize now that any change that we experience, whether it's positive or negative, can often be perceived as stress by the body. And um, so even though those were positive changes and it didn't feel stressful all the time, I look back and think, wow, that was a lot that happened in a short period of time and a lot of changes that were taking place. And the other piece that I think Um, that is a huge part of what I love to help women with now and guide them through is the fact that I'm a runner and really loved and felt it's been easy for me to push myself. I have sort of a type A personality and I, I'm an Aries and astrology. And so it's, uh, you know, very kind of 
forward driven, that's easy for me to do. And that's where I feel comfortable. And it's not comfortable for me to slow down or to rest. That's not necessarily my natural inclination. And I think with my training, I wasn't becoming, being aware of what I needed specifically um, in a seasonal approach. You know, it was sort of just like, have the throttle be all the way up all the time. Why not? And I sort of did that until my body was like, nope, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that all the time. Right. And you, have, you have to slow down. Like it feels good, especially as you start to become more fit and, you know, you can do longer things and harder things and it's fun. I mean, you get an adrenaline rush from it, but I think I definitely then headed down the slippery slope of, uh, you know, just what happens to the human body after you do that, because you can't sustain that forever. And I've learned now what I need to do to have more of a seasonal and cyclical approach to it. And Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. It's definitely part of my current practice, but it's hugely different in terms of what it was before, because I never want to go there again. (laughs) And and I sense when I when I struggle a little bit, even now, like I kind of know what it feels like when my adrenals might be suffering a little or where, you know, I might be kind of heading down that path. And I think it's because I've been there before. So now it's, I have sort of those checkpoints where I can help myself and know what to do. Yeah. And so in knowing what to do, is it just kind of a combination of slowing down and being more mindful with your workouts and stuff like that? Or or what, what does it take for you to kind of get back to balance? Yeah, that's definitely a piece of it for sure. Um, I think there were some key things that I discovered when I first came down with it and sort of went on that journey with how do I recover from these adrenal issues. And it was the slowdown was a, a big piece of that when I found myself unmotivated and really unable to continue at that preferred high pace. Mm-hmm. I had no choice but to see what was out of balance. And rather than staying in that burnout state, uh, I had to take a new direction and that was part of part of it was the slowdown. And I think the thing that I want to remind listeners of is there's no medals at the finish line of right. overworking and not listening to your body. Right. <laughs> the only thing that's there is adrenal issues, you know, or right. many other variety of things that could happen. That was just what my body um, ended up with. But it was interesting because I remember early on when I realized that I needed to recover and it was the adrenals that needed since maybe within my body hormones wise, I just knew that I was on the healing trail, so to speak. Um, but I needed to stay focused and I was actually hiking one day and I don't know if you've ever seen those signs near a trail where it's like kind of blocking off a certain area and it says healing in progress Mm. and like stay on designated trails only. And oftentimes they do that to protect something that's that's healing. It's in a little bit of a devastated state. Mm-hmm. So I was in the middle of that and I saw this trip, I saw this sign on the trail. It said healing in progress, stay on designated trails only. And I felt like it was exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> like any energy that I did have needed to go towards healing yeah. and to stay on those designated trails meant to pay attention to healing and do things that were helpful. Yeah. Um, and part of that too was moderating what I was doing in terms of movement. So, you know, if someone's feeling that way themselves right now, I think knowing that you'll get back on the trail and that it doesn't have to be that you have, you know, these long periods of uncomfortable rest or uncomfortable time off, it's it's just learning how to do both. And I had to learn and start to practice yoga more and practice what deep breathing felt like mm-hmm. and 
have more body awareness. I know I incorporate a lot of relaxation poses. Those were really important for me to calm my mind, especially that has a racing tendency and, you know, overwhelm kind of feeling. And with coaching this in, you know, in that area, I think what we work on a lot is managing your energy and stress, Mm. because I think that's so important in everything that we do. It's not something we're typically taught as children on how to, how to pay attention to that and manage our energy and stress. And so you have a coaching theory that you present to your um, coaching students called mindful Mm -hmm. movement. Um, Can you explain a little bit more about what that means to you? Yeah, for sure. It, a lot of it has come out of a few of the things that I've shared in, in some ways, but a huge piece of it, I feel like was influenced by the research that I got to do when I did my master's thesis in sports psychology and what I looked at was biopsychosocial factors influencing exercise among women who experience chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And so in other words, it was a holistic approach of, you know, looking at what affected them. And I specifically looked at exercise, pain and stress and self-efficacy, which is a person's belief in their ability to do something. Mm-hmm. So the data showed that exercise did help to manage pain and stress in a positive way. But one of the keys to actually working out was the person's self-efficacy and if they believe they could do it. And then when I did interviews with some of the women, um, that revealed some of the other key things that distinguish the women who successfully use movement to manage pain and stress versus the ones who struggled to experience that. And those key findings and, and what I called themes were what I realized later, a a really amazing framework for being more mindful of the way that we approach movement exercise. And really it's so parallel to our lives and to so many of the other things that we do. So I'll just kind of briefly share what the themes are and, and sort of the pieces of them. The first one is endurance. Mm -hmm. And when I say endurance, it's about setting meaningful goals and why something matters to you. In coaching, I call this soul goals and soul goals. So S-O-U-L and S-O-L-E goals. So it's sort of like the actual steps that you're taking, but also the soulful piece of it and what's underneath of it. Why does it matter to you and how does it make you feel? Right. And the other piece was uh, the power theme, which was related to mindset and the ability to be positive and manage your doubts and your inner critic and turning that inner critic into your inner coach. The the mindset was definitely a distinction between the ones who were sort of making it with the way they wanted to navigate pain with exercise and the ones who were struggling to do that. Yeah. And another theme was energy, which meant that they knew what filled them up and they knew what drained energy out of them, so to speak. So I they also knew how to balance the two. So I think we can all probably relate to that in some way. We kind of know those things that we do that just make us feel refreshed and like we, you know, got a break or a breather. And then those things that either we're doing or we're around that just sort of take it out of us. Mm. And, and we have to do both, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't give energy and put value out there, but it's also about making sure you fill up in the right way. So they were cognizant of both of those things and not just giving, giving, giving. 
one of the other themes was flexibility and it was about adaptation to what they could do instead of focusing on limitations. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm working with people and coaching, they're wanting to overcome challenges and injuries on the way to goals. And it's so important that we plan for setbacks because that, that would help. That's what helps you get back on track more easily. It could stop me on the way to this, um, you know, and, and planning for that and then planning for how am I going to handle it? How am I going to respond when that happens? So they were flexible in that way, but they were also flexible and adapting to, okay, I don't feel like doing a really hard workout today, but I'm just going to go for a swim because that feels like it's more manageable and that feels more fun. So right. that's a huge piece of it with, with movement and workouts. You know, we often have this, this, should mm-hmm. and this idea in our head of what we should be doing or what's on the training plan. And I'm becoming such an advocate of training by feel yeah. and doing what is right for you at that time. Uh, one of the other pieces that kind of comes into that for women, I think, especially is those varying times of the month where mm-hmm. if we're menstruating, we have a lot different energy than we do if we're ovulating. And I've been working with that a lot more myself and starting to pull that into what I share with people and what we work on within coaching. Cause that's huge. Right. I mean, to understand that about your body can give you such, uh, such a clearer path on what is best for you and to get, you know, the most fulfilling outcomes and feel the best while you're doing it. Right. And the last piece actually in the themes was strength, which is about community and friends and social support and family and not being in it alone. Yeah. And so it was it was apparent that the women who were succeeding were influenced by who they spent time with and what they listened to and, you know, what they were um, choosing to be energized by in terms of the people that they were around. So, you know, it's about who we're with, who we follow on social media, who we yeah. choose to spend time with and see and you know, we aren't in it in isolation. So Mm -hmm. that's very important for people to stay motivated in a positive way. Right, right. Yeah. So then one question I was going to ask you about all of that was the piece about the turning your inner critic into an inner coach. Can you kind of give us an example Mm -hmm. of how to do that? Sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, we all can recognize that voice if we're paying attention to what might be trying to stop us from doing something that's new or maybe seems dangerous, you know, to, to what the inner critic sees. And it's really just in a, in a brief summary, it's, it's there as something to keep us safe and protect us from things that are new, you know, it's, so it is an inbuilt mechanism that is meant to be there and it doesn't have to be seen as this villain necessarily because it can be helpful at times. Um, but at other times, you know, we sort of just have to notice it and say, thanks for the heads up, but I'm good on this one. And, and I can go ahead and, and ride this out. Um, I actually think of a specific experience that I share quite a lot because in my mind, it's, it's an interesting analogy and for someone who does mountain bike, it'll definitely res- see us turning that inner critic into the inner coach in that sense, in a physical movement sense. Is when I started riding um, log bridges on mountain bikes, these obstacles on the trail that you would literally ride up this stack of logs and then ride down the other side. It was sort of this mountain of logs. I would get really freaked out at the top because 
you know, it was like the highest point and you had to keep your balance and, you know, it's something new. I hadn't been in that position before. So I would do fine getting the momentum to ride up. But right at the top is when I felt like my inner critic would show up Mm. and it would be like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Get (laughs) off the bike, put your feet down, don't screw up. And it was at that moment that obviously that was the worst time to kind of stall and freeze. You're at the highest point and on a bike, you, you just, you're tipsy topsy, you have to balance. So I realized that at that moment, that was sort of the moment to ignite the inner coach and show up with, with that. And it was this moment of saying, you know what, I got this. I know I just need to point my tire where I want to go and shift my weight right so that I'm not going head first mm. and I need to lean back and, and getting that game on sort of like practical, here's what I need to do. And at the same time, recognize, okay, yeah, thanks for showing up to keep me safe here. I realize this is a different situation than what we've been in before, but I, I know what to do. I'm going to focus. I've got this and just ride it because that's literally what I needed to do to those log bridges was just point my tire and ride it and not think or stop or put on the brakes. And that's actually what the inner critic does. I think it forces us to break because that's exactly what I would do at the top. I would, I would pump the brakes. I would like stop and go into that freeze mode. And sometimes that's what we do. We freeze, we stop. We're like, I don't know what to do. And oftentimes we might even be saying that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the next step is that it, that might be the moment that you can tap in and say, well, well, what's behind that? Tell me more about even asking, you know, like you're having a conversation yeah. almost with an inner critic, like, well, tell me about that. Why, why is this scary? And you could sort of unpack it and see what's something I've never done before. Well, what if I fall? And, you know, one of the things that helps sometimes is even to play out worst case scenarios of, yeah. well, if you continue to go this way, then what's going to happen? If you don't take action, then here's the result. If you were to try this, then what's the worst that could happen? Or how could you make this a little safer and a little more comfortable, you know, like, so even in the practical example of mountain biking, um, how could I make it a little more comfortable to get myself into that riding down the other side mode? Well, I could have someone come and stand on the side of the bridge so that I felt like if I felt started to fall that way, that maybe, you know, they could help catch my, catch my fall. So things like that practically in life, I think we can also look at that when we find our inner critic showing up if we're maybe starting something new in our job or in our business and we find ourselves kind of hitting the brake and getting stalled and saying, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do next. Right. We can ask, well, what can I do? Like what, what, what do I feel comfortable doing? How could I make this easier? And, and part of it is too just recognizing that that is simply just your inner critic showing up to say, Hey, you've never done this before. Right. And sometimes it's really just a matter of saying, okay, I get that. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. But I got, I got it. Like yeah. I know I can. <laughs> right. It's usually just fear talking, right? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so, exactly. So in the interest of saving time, I just want to make sure that people um, can learn how to get in touch with you, how to follow you. Where can you be found? Thank you. Yeah, I um, have a website. It's just my name, jennyholbert.com. So it's Jenny with an I, H-U-L-B-U-R-T.com. And that is where you can find everything. Yeah. Um, I'm also on social media at Jenny Holbert everywhere on Instagram and Facebook. But on my website is where I have, you know, all of the ways that we can adventure together and um, information about some of the things that I offer, plus my podcast episodes and, and blogs and videos and things like that. I actually have a 
a free download there that's called How to Get Motivated from Your Soul to Your Souls. Yeah. So if that's something that you might want to grab for listening to on a week or a run, that might be relevant to what we've been sharing today, kind of a follow-up to it. Very good. Awesome. Well, Jenny, I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom with us today. Um, Is there any last words that you have for our listeners? Thanks for having me, Caitlin. I I so appreciate having these conversations. Um, I think I would just say, and you'll get this a little bit more maybe when you visit my website, but I always end my podcast episodes by reminding people of a twist on that Chinese proverb. It says, when sleeping women wake, mountains will move. But for me, it goes like this. When wild women wake, mountains will move. So wake up to live the life of your dreams and do that by taking care of yourself and finding ways to um, have a powerful mindset and any mountains or goals can become possible when you do that. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I so look forward to sharing your work with my listeners and yeah, I hope to have you back on the show. Thanks again, Caitlin. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. (laughs) You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing and rating and all that good stuff that comes along with podcasting. (laughs) Thank you for being with me on this journey and yours. Um, I've got some wonderful, amazing, exciting announcements coming for you next week. So please stay tuned for those and uh, check out next week's episode. And for now, please uh, come find me online. I'm on Facebook at Caitlin Michaels Mind Body Mastery Podcast. Join our private Facebook group, which is growing by the day, Mind Body Masters. Mind Body is one word. And then um, also you can subscribe to catch updates on my email list, which I rarely mail to, but that is at caitlinmichaels.org. If you have your own healing story that you would like to share on the air, I would love to have you. So please reach out to me at either mindbodymasterypodcast at gmail.com or mindbodymasters at gmail.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.